chapter 9, verses 6 through 12, a marvelous and most encouraging passage of the Bible. The Apostle Paul writing to the Macedonians and the church in Corinth, and he says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, At all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing with many thanksgivings to God. So far, the reading of God's Word. I want you to picture... Two farmers, not too many farmers in this congregation, but get in your mind's eye, two farmers. Here's Farmer John, and here's Farmer Bill, okay? Bill lives down the road, next farm down. And both of them, at the end of the spring, they have bags and bags of seed in their barn, and there are two things they can do with their seed. What are they? They can sow it in the ground. That word sow, it means plant it. It's an old-fashioned way of sowing is planting it in the ground. Or they can grind it into flour in order to bake bread to eat now. And both of them are going to do both of these. They do need to eat now, but they also need to plant for the future. So both of them need to make a decision This is what Paul is hinting at in this passage. They both need to make a decision. What is that? How much of the seed will they keep for bread? And how much of the seed will they sow in the ground to plant and to give it for the future? And so the Apostle Paul is talking about these two farmers in order to help us in the decision that we have to make about our Money. There, I said it. And whether we will sow a har- for a harvest of righteousness, not just of bread, but His harvest. Last week, Jesus said, pray for laborers to go into His harvest field. We studied that passage. Now, this week, he's talk- the harvest metaphor comes back. The harvest is one of righteousness, where people are called out of the world into the family of God and saved by His grace and given new life, okay? 
At the end of the passage, here's the spoiler, at the end of the passage down in verses 10 and 11, you see it on the back of your sermon outline, Paul gives a very optimistic answer to what has been true for the church through the ages. It's true for us at the North Shore Community Church. In the 11 years I have been here, this has been true for us. What does he say? Verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to, in order that, or to be generous in every way, which will produce thanksgiving to God. Now, these next couple weeks, we are not just going to talk about money, so you can relax a little, but we are going to talk about the ownership of God over your whole life. And this is very important for us to get on board with this. God is generous to you so that He can be generous through you. Did you know that? Did you know that? It's wonderful. And so now at the beginning, what Paul talks about in verse 6, he starts through to get us to that wonderful conclusion, and he just lays before us the question, what kind of sower are you? Okay? The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And one commentator I read this week, Colin Smith, he describes this mental conversation inside the head. We all have especially when it comes to our money. We all talk to ourselves about it, these farmers. And so back to Farmer John. And what's Farmer John like? Farmer John is cautious. He looks at his pile of seed and he says, you know, we've we got to get through the summer, but I know winter is coming and it's going to be long and so I need to take as much as I can and and um, put it into bread because I need to keep this seed so that we can eat our bread. The winter will be cold and long. And so he sows a little bit, but he's very concerned and very cautious about the here and now, and so he holds tightly to his seed. But there's Farmer Bill, and Farmer Bill is different. He looks at his pile of seed and he says, the summer's coming and I need to have a harvest. So what I need to do is I need to sow as much seed as I possibly can. He keeps what he needs for the winter, but then he sows generously. And they have made two very different decisions, and they have two very different outcomes according to the Bible. When the summer comes, the one who sowed sparingly reaps sparingly. And the one who sows generously reaps generously. And so Paul is just telling us what we all know. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. You really do. And a year from now, we come back to farmer John, and he says, it's been a rough year, and that winter was long, and it's cold, and I look at what I grew last year, and it wasn't that much, and I have to sow some now, but I have to keep for the winter, and he's still cautious again, and it, it's, he's in a worse condition. Whereas farmer Bill, he has found that he reaped 
uh, generously, from sowing generously, and he is prepared. Now pay attention here. Down in verse 10, the Bible says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower, that's the guy who's going to plant a lot, and bread for food that we still need, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And here's the point. The point is that God gives you money for two reasons. The point is God gives you money for two reasons. To sow and give away to the harvest of the Lord and to eat bread and put gas in your car and pay your rent and your mortgage. God supplies what you need to live and God supplies what you need to give. And I ask you, do you believe that today? Think about the money you got this month. Some of you get a paycheck. Some of you are waiting for the commission check to finally come in. But, but some of you had a paycheck this month. Some of it was for food and for gas and for rent or for the mortgage and maybe to put some in your IRA savings for retirement. And other parts of it was for what? It was for sowing, for giving, for scattering to the uh, harvest of God in the church of God. It's for both. He gives you what you need to live. He gives you what you need to give. Now, the question is, How do you decide? And even more, this morning, what kind of heart do you have? I'm going to ask you this morning, what sort of heart do you have? Are you one who sows sparingly? Or are you one who sows generously? And I can, that's easy for me to ask you because last Sunday we had a banquet. And most of you attended our church banquet, and we gave you, and you're going to pick up. If you weren't there, you can pick up uh, the, this introduction to our campaign for the renovations here in the church. And we came right out in the open, and we said, over and above your regular giving to the church, we're asking us to come together and to give sacrificially as a family. After 10 years of delay, 10 years of neglect on the, in the infrastructure and inside of this building, we've said, well, you know, we really do need to freshen it up significantly. And so, how are you doing? What was, what was it like for you after we asked you for money? Will I be bountiful? You know, the word bountiful is an amazing Greek word. It's epi-elogia, which means out of the blessing. Eulogia means blessing. And the bountiful giver is the person who knows in their mind and their heart they have been blessed. <laughs> and so they give bountiful. John Piper gets it right. He's the one who explained that to me. What kind of sower am I? Look, look, listen carefully. I know we all come from different backgrounds. Some of you grew up in homes where your father and your mother were the most generous people you ever met. And that's a wonderful thing. You grew up in a home where your mom and dad were like 
hey, what, what God gives to us, we are so delighted to share and pass on with other people because we know He's going to provide for us, and so we are free to sit loose on our possessions, and what's ours we want to bless for the harvest of righteousness. Some of you grew up in a home like that. Others of you grew up in a home where mom and dad were so anxious, always anxious about money. Your dad paced the floor at night. How am I going to pay the bills? And when the money did come in, he held tightly to it and, you know, keep the thermostat low. And what do you mean you, you paid retail price for that? And, and, and you grew up in that sort of home where you were taught you've got you've to hold tightly to every cent you have. And others of you grew up in a Christian home where you knew that God would supply your needs, but when he supplied it, you still thought you better hold really tight to it. Because next month, he might not give you what he gave you this month. I don't know. What, what, how did you grow up? We all come from different backgrounds. How do we become the bountiful sower that God wants us to be? Well, this is point number two in this sermon. Point number two is to understand that Jesus Christ decided in his heart to be generous to you and to me. Did you know that? Do you believe this? And if you know this, if you understand this, it affects how you share your resources. Verse 8, verse 8 in this text says, God makes all grace abound to you so that you have sufficiency in all things at all times. So Paul says... God has been generous to you. Do you know that? Do you believe that? His grace has abounded to you. All depends on how you see God, how you see the Lord. Do you believe that God has made His grace abound to you? The Bible, from the beginning of Genesis to the end of the book of Revelation, tells us that our God is a God of grace and of kindness, of generosity to His people. And we talk about the receiving of grace in terms of common grace and saving grace. And I think that is inside Paul's understanding here as he says grace abounds. And by common grace, we mean the grace that God shows to all mankind, even undeserving mankind. Humankind has been blessed. Listen, every time I get in a car, every time I get in a box that has an internal combustion engine, and I push that pedal down and I'm up to 60 miles an hour, I, I am amazed. Are you amazed? You should be amazed. Centuries ago, it would take weeks to go several hundred miles. Now you can do it in a few hours. Every time I walk into an air-conditioned room, I am amazed. I marvel. What does it mean to be out of the sweltering heat? Every time I take an antibiotic, <laughs> every time I take an antibiotic, God in His common grace has made manifest to me His kindness that those germs that would otherwise kill me are now put aside and I can live longer. 
My list goes on. I open the refrigerator door and I see blueberries that have come from a thousand miles away in California and they're still fresh and delicious on my honey nut Cheerios. Oh, this is God's common grace. Do you see it? Do you see common grace blessings? You know, I love Facebook. The thing I love about Facebook is that, that every once in a while you have these viral movements of gratitude. Have you seen that lately? The, the gratitude challenge that's gone out? And Christians and non-Christians are being awakened to pay attention to what we know are God's common grace blessings. And it's beautiful to read and watch people day after day express gratitude to God in their life for just the, 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 the rain that falls and the sun that shines and warms the earth. But my friends, God who makes all grace abound to you makes His saving grace abound in His giving of Jesus Christ to you. We read that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. We read in Ephesians 5, Jesus Christ loved us and gave Himself for us. Now, Paul tells us here in this text, we are to give, you know, purposefully. As you decided in your heart, not by the law, but purposefully, you are to give and cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. Let me ask you this. Was Jesus Christ purposeful in His giving of Himself? Was Jesus Christ cheerful in the giving of Himself? Let me ask you that. What do you think? I thought about it a lot this week, and I was taken back to this beautiful passage in Luke 9, 51. It says, when the days drew near for Him to be taken up, He set His face to go to Jerusalem. Do you ever see that verse? Why would it say He set His face? Where does this come from? It's an expression of commitment, an expression of dedication, an expression that nothing will hold me back. And it also comes from the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 50, where in one of these marvelous messianic prophecies, we are told of this servant of the Lord who will come and just pick up in verse 6. It says, I gave my back to those who strike, my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I did not hide my face from disgrace and spitting when Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. What did he go to? He went to, to beatings. He went to being spit upon, we are told. He went to mockery. He went to floggings and even to a terrible certain death. Now, the last part of verse 7 says, Isaiah 50, verse 7, But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. Do you ever read that in Isaiah? This messianic servant of the Lord. I have set my face like a flint, and I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. And many of you know, you remember as Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, there in Jerusalem, he came, and on that terrible, dreadful night, Pontius Pilate interrogates him, even mocks him, though he found him innocent, and says, so you are a king. And Jesus says, listen, I've got angels. I've got 10,000 angels standing at attention right now. And the simple whisper from me would draw the angels to come and punish all the evil of the world. But I restrain myself because I have come to die. 
Jesus Christ set His face like flint to go to Jerusalem, purposeful to give of Himself. And yet, isn't this amazing? He also did it cheerfully. We are told in Hebrews 12, verse 2, that we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the, what's the next word? The joy set before Him endured the cross. And we read there are these hints of the joy of Jesus Christ throughout His life. Jesus was the most joyful man who ever lived. And it speaks of the joy He had in the presence of His Father. The joy He had in delighting in His people. The joy He had in prayer. Our Jesus gave Himself cheerfully, joyfully to His mission, even through His humiliation for us. And so when God asks us to give purposefully and to give cheerfully, He is only asking us to be like Jesus, to be like Him. And we read that He did it lavishly. Verse 10, our passage. You will be enriched in every way in order to be generous in every way. It is the tiny conjunction in the Greek language. It's called hina. You have been blessed, hina, That means in order that, so that an action on the part of God with a purpose of producing a different result or a new result, hina. You have been given grace so that you can be generous. Look, we ask you to do three things with this packet. If you, if you would please take one home with you, we welcome you to do that so you can know what we're, what's going on. We ask you to do three things. We ask you to read. Do you know how to read? If you know how to read, your assignment is to read this carefully so you know what's on the heart of the leadership of the church. Then we ask you to pray. And we ask you to pray and ask for blessing on what we're going to do together because this is a spiritual campaign. This is not something we can manage out of our flesh. We must pray for the camp. But then we ask you to pray for your part in this. What is your part in this? You don't just run home and do a quick calculation of the head. You ask God for these next weeks. What should I do? And here's where the agricultural metaphor is so helpful. Why did, I, I just love it that the Holy Spirit gave Paul this metaphor of seed. You know, when you plant one kernel of wheat, it grows up into a stalk that on average has five heads of grain and 22 seeds on each head. What's that? My bookkeeper over here. That's 110. It's 110 kernels of wheat out of one seed. When you sow an ear, a, a seed of field corn, sweet corn has these smaller cups. You, see, you sow field corn that feeds the world. One seed produces a stalk with two ears and up to 800 kernels. That could be 1,600 out of one. Paul is telling us, God is telling us that your generous sowing of a seed is going to multiply in terms of righteousness worldwide and throughout the future, into the future. That's what he tells us here using this metaphor. Am I like Farmer John? 
cautious. On Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm like Farmer John. On Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, there are those miraculous moments. It is a miracle when God makes me like Farmer Bill, eager to sow. What's the difference? The difference, we are told, is at the end of our passage. The difference is a heart of gratitude. And at my, we were with my son's kindergarten teacher last night. She taught him, and through him she taught the whole family to have an attitude of gratitude. And there in is liberty. What will release my tight grasp on my wallet? In your bulletin is the reflection from one of my favorite poets, George Herbert. Did you see that? George Herbert. I had it and I left it on my chair. Here it is. George Herbert. Thou hast given so much to us. Give one thing more. A grateful heart. That's what I want. That's what I need. God, will you answer that prayer? And then all the rest falls into place. As we guide each other systematically over these next couple of weeks, God is going to do a great thing. God has given you all that you need in this life He will give you all that you need in this life. He will. And in the life to come, what Jesus Christ calls treasures in heaven unimaginable that cannot perish or spoil or fade, Peter tells us. Amazing. So how's your heart today? How's your heart? We ask you for a lot. We believe God is asking Let's bring our hearts to Him. Will you do that with me now? And as we come to communion, will you bring your heart to Him now? Surrender. You say, I'm I'm more like Yenchiko on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Well, then you come and repent with Yenchiko. You come and, and say, make me like Farmer Bill, who sows bountifully because he is grateful and blessed. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank You for Jesus Christ who gave of himself gladly, generously, willingly, joyfully, cheerfully. We thank you for him. And we pray that now you would receive our hearts and we just give our hearts to you and ask you to help us. Show us your amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen. John Morkin and Don Cameron, if you could help us in the distribution of communion.